Hello and welcome to the Anchor Sunday Sermons podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Sunday sermons here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. God is allowing it. And what's happening is we're watching the lions attack us. In fact, a lot of the people of this world want to throw us to the lions. And this is what we're going to study with Daniel in the fact that he was given over to the lions because he violated a law of the Medes and Persians and instead stayed loyal and obedient to God. And so he paid the ultimate price in that obedience. And obviously we're going to see that God delivers him from it. But the key in this is, is how did Daniel do it? How did he have, have that kind of power to not be afraid, to stand bold in boldness and, and not, not pitch a fit, not retaliate, not revile or anything, and just submit himself to God's will? How did he do that? Because that right there is what you and I will have to do in the days ahead. They're releasing the lions on us. You know, we may not be thrown in the den, but the lions are coming towards us. They're going to be at your front doorstep if they're not already. And, 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 and therein lies where we have to learn from Daniel, uh, what he did. Where do we get this strength? Where do we get this power? Um, and please understand that the concept of the lion is, it not only was a real lion or a lion's den that Daniel got put in, but it also is a typology. It's a typology pointing to Satan. Because as you know, Scripture says, be, so, uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about what? Like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so when you look at Daniel in the lion's den, you have to then, it's not just simply the human beings involved in this drama, it's satanic. It's Satan's attempt to wipe Israel out it's Satan's attempt to destroy Daniel completely. And it's always been his intent to destroy every Jew on the planet. And so you have to look at that from, from that framework, from a spiritual framework, that that's working behind the scenes to cause this problem for Daniel. Now, that being the case, what you have to do in this life is realize that beyond the human instruments of these fools that run our world, that beyond them is the demonic realm that's controlling them. They're nothing but the useful idiots. The demonic realm, the satanic realm, is what's controlling them. And so they're just doing their bidding. So that's where you and I have to realize, oh my goodness, this is a major war, a spiritual war. And the real line is Satan. But notice what he says. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What is Satan trying to do to all of us by releasing lions to us? He is trying to corrupt you. He can't take away your position in Christ. He can't take away your salvation. And he knows that. That position is secure. But what he can do is corrupt you. And the concept of devouring you is to take away your witness by corrupting you. That's what they've tried to do to Daniel. And he he's not corruptible. He's hanging in with the word of God. He's faithful. 
But that's what this world is trying to do. It's trying to corrupt you. Understand this, that we're at a new, new level of demonic activity. I mean, I was back last week in Minnesota. I was talking to the remnant believers there. The same thing I hear here locally is the same thing I hear over there. They have the same struggles that you and I are having and the same struggles demonically as well. Many of them are being harassed by the demonic like we've never seen before. Many of them are having what they call sleep paralysis, but it's not really sleep paralysis. It's demon paralysis. And the only name that gets them out of the paralysis is Jesus if they can get it out of their mouth when they're stuck in that demonic paralysis. Some people are being antagonized by demons. Some of them are just being just onslaughted by them. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to back believers from doing their service to the Lord. Back them off, shut them up, stay silent, take away their speech, and discourage them. That's what's currently happening. It's not only happening here, but it's happening with the remnant. I've never seen this before. I've never seen this kind of high level of, of demonic activity, especially with believers who are not involved in the occult. But now I understand the lions have been sent to you to stop you, to scare you, to back you off, especially in a time where we have to talk and we have to get the truth out. They want to silence you. Seeking to devour means taking away your influence. That's what they're trying to do. So this, this Daniel and the lion's den is bigger than what most people think. It's not just simply what's happening on the ground. It's happening what's in the heavenlies and the battle that's raging there. So I wanted to mention that. Now, as far as Daniel is concerned, where we're at, this is chapter six. This is the chapter about Daniel and the lion's den, obviously. We did the first chapter a couple weeks ago, first part of the chapter. And what we discovered was these guys don't like Daniel, these political guys. Cyrus the Great does. Cyrus wants to make Daniel the head or under him of the whole entire empire. So he'd be second in command. These, these, these Medes and Persians do not like that. So there's a political plot to get rid of Daniel from that position. The, the political plot, not just simply political, it's satanic. As you'll see today, they reference Daniel's Jewishness. When people go after Jews, it is a clear sign of Satanism, okay? When you see anti-Semitism in the world, Satan's behind it. Look at the, the prophecy update. Did you see that? I think anti-Semitism rose 37% last year in the United States. That's an all-time high in the United States. You understand that? That means high levels of demonic activity are happening. That's serious business. Eventually, that anti-Semitism in America will continue to grow and will force many Jews to leave the United States to flee back to Israel, just as God has predicted. Just like they're doing in Europe. They're fleeing Europe because of the anti-Semitism. And we're getting just as bad. But that's the idea here. So Daniel's being targeted, but Israel's being targeted. Okay, We take Daniel out, we'll take Israel out as well. And so what they have done is they actually created a law of the Medes and Persians on the books, and they said, hey, Cyrus, this is the deal we're going to do. We want you to be worshipped. You're so wonderful. You're so great. We want you to be worshipped for 30 days, and no one else can worship any other gods except you for 30 days. And if they do, we will throw them in the lion's den. What say you, king? And the king says, great idea. Let's do it. So he signs it into law. The problem is the law of the Medes and Persians cannot be revoked. 
It stays on the books and it can't be, it, it can't be erased. That was the problem with the law of the Medes and Persians. So they've done that. So guess what? They know it's going to entrap Daniel. They couldn't get Daniel for anything he's done. So what they're going to do is create a law that causes him to violate God's law. And here's what they already know. They know he will be loyal to God. So they know he's going to break man's law, the law of the Medes and Persians. So this is how they're going to trap him. Okay. So they've set the bait. They've set the trap. And, you know, Daniel hears about the news about the edict. And what does he do? He doesn't stop worshiping God. He goes, throws open the shutters, faces Jerusalem and continues to pray towards Jerusalem. So all that could see, everyone could see him. It's public. He could have went and hid in the closet, but he didn't. He continued to practice his, his worship of Yahweh in front of everybody. He was not afraid to be public with his faith. That's a key thing right there. And so because of that, they trap him. Now, here's the funny thing. They think they're trapping him and they're trapping the king, but in effect, they're trapping themselves. Okay? So this is what's happening in the world. These lions out there, these ungodly people, think they're trapping us, think they're they're working to silence us, but what they're doing eventually traps them. And so the joke is going to be played on these guys in Daniel's life, and God will be the last one laughing. And the same is true today. All these people that think they're trapping us, they're going to take away our freedom of speech. They're going to take away our rights. They're going to take away our ability to worship God or whatever they plan to do. Lose our, our, our rights with a digital currency. Know everywhere we go are setting up for a trap. And God has a trap for them already set. They're walking right into it. And same thing with these guys. So let's start in the story, finish it off. And look at the principles of how we can be like Daniel. Then these men assembled. These are the, the wicked politicians trying to get Daniel out, right? And found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God, like he always did three times a day. Daniel's not going to stop practicing his, his belief, just like you and I are not going to stop. They're not going to tell us to shut down anymore, okay? So what a modern-day example of this is what they're trying to do to Elon Musk. Now, uh, again, I'm not saying Elon Musk is a, a Christian. He's an atheist, for goodness sake. And this is the same guy that wants to put a chip in your brain, okay? So don't trust him. But I want you to see the fight. The fight is over freedom of speech. You know where freedom of speech comes from? It comes from the Bible. Paul is the one who developed it, freedom of speech, that we have the ability to be free in what we need to say as far as the truth is concerned, right? So freedom of speech comes from the Apostle Paul, comes from the Bible, comes from God. Elon Musk wants free speech to happen on Twitter, which hasn't happened, right? And so now he's changing the game and all the the ungodly people are throwing a, a, a fit about this. Now, here's the thing. They're throwing their fits, but please understand, satanically, they're going to try to stop this, whether they do it through the law whether they do it personally or whether they take him out, okay? You have to understand that Twitter is the arm of the left. Twitter is the arm of many totalitarian regimes all over this planet. And they do not want free speech happening on Twitter, okay? So he's messing with people that use Twitter as a propaganda arm for their regimes. 
Um, they're not going to take this sitting down. Please understand what you see happen to Elon Musk is important for the way our world's going because what happens to him eventually comes to us. Look at Julian Assange with WikiLeaks. The British court allows him to be extradited to the United States to be face prosecution by the United States. Why? Because WikiLeaks gave the truth out. Gave, gave what was going on behind the scenes. And so now he's in trouble for being truthful, okay? But again, what is my point? The lions are looking whom they devour. What are they looking to devour? Influence. They want the truth to stop. And I get, I, that's why I'm giving you this, to say they're on the prowl. They're going to try to stop Asaj. They're going to try to stop Elon. They can't let this happen. That's the idea of a roaring lion. Now, look what Italy's doing as another example of this, of roaring lions trying to stop people's influence. Italy now is going to introduce a social credit score, the first country in Europe to do this, and it's linked to their digital currency that will reward and punish you if you don't become part of the Sierra Club and hug trees and want to go green and save the planet. Yeah. So if they see you saving the planet by your, your, your actions, then you will get more digital credit. If they don't, then you get less. Oh, thank you very much. You have now told us what's going to happen here when we go digital. They'll reward those who comply and punish those who don't digitally through their currency. Hmm, I see that coming. And by the way, this morning I was reading before church that, guess what, Macron in France has also now introduced a digital identity that will be on the French people's phones and they everything that their public and private services will all be through that ID on their phone. Hey, Macron, I got a great idea for you. Why don't you put it right here and right here? Watch, they're gonna, they're gonna think that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they're gonna like, hey, we're gonna do this. We can't put it on their phones. We gotta put it on their body. And it's like, you fool. It's in the Bible. But anyway, that, but what is that? It is diminishing the influence of truth tellers. When you, they can control your buying and selling and say, hey, you know what, Brandon? We saw you speaking out against the LGBT. We saw you speaking about the transgender. Hey, man, we don't like that. You know what we're going to have to do? Punish you in your digital credit score. Sorry, you can't buy bread this month. I don't know. It'll be something stupid like that. Oh, the roaring lions are real and they're working right now. Let's go back to the text. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who positions any god or man within 30 days... Except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. King, just going to remind you, man, the law says, you wrote it down, don't you remember? But here's what they don't know, spiritually. And this is what the world doesn't know. Daniel is a prophet. Therefore, according to 1 Chronicles 16, he cannot be hurt. Do my prophets no harm. If you do, you're going to get the horn from the bull. You mess with the bull, you get the horn, okay? That's what First Chronicles is saying. Also, Daniel also knows that according to Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Again, in context with Israel and Daniel. Daniel knows that, but they don't. 
but too bad. The fact that they don't know it still makes it apply to them. They're going to get hammered by God. And the same is true when they assault freedom of speech, they assault God's principles, they assault God's ways, and they assault you and I. Woe to you. I wouldn't want to be you because one day everything will turn on you and you will be judged for what you did to God's people. So that's what they don't understand. That's the trap that's laid and they don't realize it. The king answered and said, the thing is true. So you're saying what you say is right. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter, that's right, that was one of the problems, you can't revoke it. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah. So did you catch that? That's called anti-Semitism. What do you mean? They're referring to Daniel. Daniel is, was one of the highest ranked guys in Babylon, and now he's one of the highest ranked guys in Medo-Persia. I mean, the key, Cyrus wants to make him second in command under him. So there's some, some political jealousy here, but at the end of the day, notice what they go after him. They can't attack his, his, his personal life. They can't attack what he does because he's clean. So what do they do when they don't have anything on you? They attack you personally and say, look, it's a Jew. It's a slave Jew from Israel. That's who this guy is. He's a foreigner. He doesn't belong with us. And he's going to be ranked high? Come on. Anti-Semitism is right here, and that's where you know Satan is working. It's through that. Satan hates the people of God, that being the Jews and Christians. Okay? Even if Israel's in unbelief, they still have a plan and purpose for God, and that's why he's so anti-Semitic to them. And that's why he hates real, the real believers. Satan lets fake believers, Laodiceans, uh, Sardis believers, worldly believers, he leaves them alone. He already has them. Satan goes after the remnant, the Philadelphia element, the Smyrna element. That's who he goes after. That's you and me. Okay? Now watch this. Current event. The lions are already in the church, okay? There's an element in the church that obviously is tares. There's an element in the church, Laodicea, worldly, carnal, all these different categories of different types of believers. But those types of believers will turn on the remnant element and look what they're doing. They're turning on us. Baptist News Global blames COVID deaths on conservative pastors. Yeah, so now they're blaming us. The other Christians, so-called, I'll put that in air quotes, so-called are blaming us for COVID deaths. I don't think that's the pastor's responsibility or fault or guilt. I think it was gain of function in the Wuhan lab in China. Why, let's talk about China and the American government doing a gain of function to make something more contagious that killed our elderly and those who had comorbidities. I wonder why. That's who to blame, not the pastors. But you know what? This is an easy target. Satan is not going to go after uh, Fauci, is he? He's going to go after the, pa the pastors that didn't shut down their churches, that didn't take the PPP money. That's why, like I've told you, we're called the murdering church in town. Isn't that wonderful? Are you okay with that? I'm okay with it. Because those are coming from the mouths of those who took government money and stayed shut down. So they're turning on us. The lions are in the church is what I'm trying to say. 
So the, the political proponents trying to get Daniel in trouble, look, king, he does not show due regard for you. He doesn't even respect you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed. It even, he, he, just, he just spit on it, king, but makes his petition three times a day, right in front of your face, disobeying you. He goes, makes his petition before his own God in public, before you during these three days. Come on, man. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with Daniel. Who's he displeased with? Himself. Ah, shows more evidence that this guy might be saved. He's displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He's for Daniel. This guy that Isaiah predicted 150 years before he existed by the name Cyrus is gonna be the guy who releases Israel back into the, 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 the promised land from the Babylonian captivity. And he's trying to figure out a way to deliver Daniel. He's on Daniel's side. And he realizes He's entrapped himself. He didn't think about it. They caught him off guard. They made him sign something in the law that's going to condemn Daniel. So he's trying to figure out how to get him out of this. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He's trying to figure this out. They have trapped the king too. They have trapped the king too. Then these men approached the king, just to remind the king, right? And said to the king, no, O king, that... It is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Just want to remind you, king, you can't change your own law. You're not above the law. You put the law down, and now it's Daniel's time to die. They think they have trapped Daniel and trapped the king, but they don't realize who they're messing with. They're messing with Yahweh. And God knows how to deliver his own, and he will. And that's the great thing. What they're trying to do is entrap us, that we have no way out, that we have to comply with their system, that we will have to march in order and goose step right along with what they're telling us. And they say, we've, we've trapped these Christians. We've got them, these haters, these bigots, these homophobes. We got them. We're going to trap them. And they don't know who they're messing with. They're messing with Jesus. Notice what they say. Hey, man, it's the law of Medes and Persians. It's it can't be changed. It's settled. Have you heard that word before? Well, you've probably heard it this way. The science is settled. Global warming is, is true. It's settled. They don't even allow for debate, do they? No uh, uh, differing in opinion. It's settled. The science is settled with the, the in, in experimental jabs. It's settled. Right? It's settled that the jabs work. No, you saw the, you see the new stat? You get three boosts, you're 500 times more likely to get Charlie Vector 019er. I don't want to be taken off of YouTube. But you know what's behind it. It's always follow the money, right? Science is settled for you. Uh, climate research fund, Yeah. And for everything else, I like this meme of comrade, be quiet. Science is settled. That's what they say, right? It's all settled. Don't even argue against us. Don't even debate. You're just anti-science. You see how they do that? It's settled. It can't be changed, King. How about this one? This is all settled, apparently. You can't make, you can't make the argument anymore that there's only two sexes, can you? You can't make the argument. Now it's settled that there's 52 or 107 or whatever it might be. This is the new argument. It's settled. Don't even have a debate over it. 
And look at these categories. Have you ever heard of some of these categories? I can barely see it. Third gender, a gender version one, a gender version two, butch, uh, demigender with demigirl, intergender, dem, demi boy, demi girl. What is that? But see, it's settled science. I, I can't argue. I can't say, well, there's only two genders. Oh no, Brandon, it's settled. You can be whatever you want. I don't know, but this reminds me of the Star Wars cantina and them going into the cantina and seeing all these aliens of whatever they were from. So I guess that's how we have to approach everything. It's We're in Star Wars and everyone's their own alien. Everyone's a different uh, thing. Now, we're not humans anymore. We're hybrids of all kinds of things. That's how I feel. It's crazy, but it's settled science. Now, I, I wanted to show you this because this is the new category I must show you. Because this settled science. This is settled science. To be fictional, fictional, I see it, I can't even pronounce it. Fictosexual. Not homosexual. Not lesbian. Not transsexual. Not pansexual. Fictosexual. And this is settled science. What do you mean? Well, now apparently you can uh, bond with a holo hologram fictional character off of a cartoon and marry them. This dude married a fictional character hologram. And by the way, he's saying he struggles to bond with her too. Uh, yeah. Now, I want you to think about this. I think about five years ago, they would lock this dude up, right? Just like the lady wants to marry the cat. If, uh, excuse me, what? That, that, you're crazy. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be derogatory, but this has reached a, who, a, a new level of craziness, and I and you have to accept it. Fictosexual. That's a new trend. And it's like, oh my goodness, what is left? But what is the point? The point is the, de the lions are devouring, telling the Christian, no, God is wrong. There's only male, there's not male and female. There's all kinds of different sexual expressions, gender expressions, and you, it's settled. You can't say anything about it because if you do, you must be, how do I say this? This is the new word. Fictosexual phobic. Is that how I do it? Fict, I'm, I'm, I'm now ficto, fictosexual homic. Did I say it right? Home, homic. Not homic. Fictosexual phobic. Why did I say homic? Phobic. I'm, I'm phobic against fictional sexual men. Can you get that? I mean, it's insane. What are we doing here? Oh, but, but Brandon, this is settled science. Now, this guy has figured out, he's settled the issue too. Homosexual pastor. Uh, says the Holy Spirit told him that the Bible is wrong about homosexuality. Oh, okay. See, he's figured it out. See, we were all wrong reading the Bible. And the Holy Spirit revealed him and says, no, that's not right. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's a different spirit. You're supposed to test the spirits. And apparently another spirit has told him this and it's not the Holy Spirit. It's satanic. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. 56% of the church agree with this guy. They, they're okay with gay marriage. They're okay, 56% of the church. And, and so, so now it's, we're the ones that are wrong. 
And, and we can't say anything about that now because, you know, we, we would be, I don't know what that is. Uh, phobic of what, though? Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm phobic of homosexual pastors. Or maybe in his term, I'd be phobic of the Holy Spirit or something. I don't know, because that's not the Holy Spirit. I can guarantee you that. But this, this, this is the point. I'm trying to show you, oh, no, this is the way it is now. When 56% of Christians believe this nonsense, you see the lions? They're coming after you. They're coming to take away your influence. Shut you up, Brandon. Don't say that, that, that uh, it's wrong to be homosexual and lesbian. Don't say that because that guy is. He loves Jesus. How about this one? Jen Hatmaker. I hope you ladies are not following this gal. She's pushing now that God is a woman. It's settled for her. We all got it wrong and says the earth would be liberated if all people were valued as divine. Oh, that divine spark. That's called new age. That's called uh, pantheism or panentheism. Oh yeah, it's settled. It's settled. God's a woman now, according to Jen Hatmaker. How about this one? Bethel, another cult. that people follow this like there's no tomorrow. Prophet, Bethel prophetess says, Jesus walked into a room with a ring and asked her to marry him. You can't, you can't challenge her. Because she'll, you know what she'll say at Bethel? Don't touch thy anointed. Don't touch thy anointed. Jesus gave me a ring and we were going to get married. That's the problem. And people say, okay, I guess she's right. Can't say, it's settled. Don't, don't challenge it. Now, here's the thing I wanted to show you. I showed this on Wednesday night. They have already told us that church growth is settled, that we don't grow by teaching the word of God and reaching people with the gospel. We grow by entertaining goats, clowns entertaining goats. So this is one church's Easter Sunday morning, okay? Now, I'm going to show you that this, believe it or not, is settled in the minds of church growth experts, that this is what you need to do to grow your church. About sin, became in the lost in the city. Got nailed on across the town, but now he's back and he's living. I got caught, amen. That's as much as I can show. I can't stomach it, man. It's so bizarre. But this is on the level of, of entertaining ghosts. And that's what the churches have now done. They've, this is settled. The way you grow your church is have things like this going on on Easter Sunday. Or maybe bring in an Elvis impersonator. I don't know. Or whatever. Because this is the way you grow your church. You know what these guys coming out of seminary now are taught? They're not taught theology. I wouldn't trust them as far as I can throw them. What they're taught is how to grow bigger churches. That's what they're taught. Nickels and noses. The sign of success is grow a large church, a mega church, and get as mile wide and an inch deep, and make sure you get that money rolling in. That's what it is. That's what the church has turned into. But see, it's settled, Brandon. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. They're right. Now, here's what I want to point out. Why does this happen? Why has it happened in the church? Why are the lions in the church now? Lions will take as much ground as you give them. They're territorial, aren't they? Okay, so they circle their territory and make sure they have control of it. That's what a, a real lion will do, right? He has his territory. The degree of our resistance is the degree they will take from us. They will go as far as we permit them to go. 
Did you see that? When you see the church at 56% saying that gay marriage is okay, they gave up ground. They gave up ground to the enemy and he took it. Every inch they gave back to him, he took it. And that's why we have these lunatics who think they're pastors saying these crazy things because they gave up territory. The churches gave up territory. And this is what's going on in the church. The more territory the church gives up, the more corrupt they get and the less influence. And God says, or Jesus says, I will remove your lampstand from its place when you cannot be an influence. That's what's going on. So the question then comes to you and I, are you gonna let Satan take more ground from you? You must stand, you must resist. Because every time he takes a piece of territory that you occupy, you become more corrupted and you start losing your influence. That's what he wants to do. Therefore, in James 4, so therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, all this is a package deal that James is saying. You wanna be able to resist the devil and not give up any territory? First thing you need to do, submit to God. Submit in what regards? Submit to his will for your life. Just like Daniel's doing. Daniel is just submitting. He's not fighting this. He just takes it on the chin and says, whatever happens, then God will take care of me. That's called submitting. He didn't go into protest. He didn't get mad. He didn't say, I'm out out of here. I didn't sign up for this. Submits to the will of God. If you're gonna resist the devil, the first thing you have to do is submit to God. Your will be done. Just like Messiah did, right? Your will be done. And then you draw near to him and he will draw near to you. That's the promise. Draw near to him in fellowship, prayer, reading the Bible, talking to him, all those things. Humble yourselves inside the Lord and he will lift you up. So the way to prevent yourself from losing territory is surrender. Surrender to God and that keeps you in this position of standing and resisting, okay? So the king gave the command. And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now, what I want you to see is what it doesn't say. What doesn't it say? They just got Daniel and they threw him in. But there's what it doesn't say. Daniel didn't revile them. Daniel didn't say, hey, what are you doing? Daniel didn't fight against them. Daniel didn't resist against them. He went and just was, it just says he was thrown into the lion's den. That should ring a bell. It sounds like someone familiar. Do you see it? It's Messiah. When he was arrested, did he resist? No. Did he revile? According to scripture, he didn't. This was predicted that he wouldn't revile. He wouldn't resist. He would go as a lamb before the slaughter, wouldn't he? And say nothing, not open his mouth. Bingo. You're seeing the typology of Messiah in Daniel. As he says nothing, submits himself to the will of God, just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Boom. There's where the submitting to Father, to the Father comes from. That's what's happening here. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Even the king believes this about Daniel. And even with Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane, 
uh, it's a good hunch that Psalm 49 was spoken to Jesus by an angel that strengthened him at that time, saying, this is too small of a thing just to save Israel. You're going to save the entire world. And Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? If you ever read that Psalm, at the end of it, it says that God delivers the one. And deliver, and he did deliver Messiah, didn't he? So deliver, deliverance was there. He did, and the deliverance was seen in the resurrection of the Messiah. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel may not be changed. I read that somewhere. Did you catch it? A stone was brought and laid before the mouth of the den. And then they put a seal on it that you can't move it. Come on. It's with Messiah, right? Did you see that? The whole death, burial, and resurrection is being prefigured in Daniel. So the stone represents the stone they put before the, uh, the tomb of Jesus. And what did they seal it with? A Roman seal, Pilate's seal, that you can't take this stone out. You can't move it. Otherwise, Rome will come after you. And the same is true. So they sealed Daniel in the lion's den with a signet ring. It's unbelievable. It's, it's Jesus all over this passage, right? It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But that's, that's why you know it's supernatural, right? You can't make this story up and then have it correspond with Jesus's life. It's amazing. Here's a principle. How is Daniel doing this? Where is he getting this power? Where is he getting this confidence to be able to do this? Well, he knows what God has done for us, done for him, past. He knows what God is doing now, and he knows what God is doing in the future. This is where you get the principle of courage from the uh, to face lions. Now, let me explain this. Daniel knows where he comes from. He knows the stock in which he comes from. He is an Israelite. He's a believer in Yahweh. He knows where he comes from. His nation was created uh, after the Exodus, it, the, the Jews were created with Abraham. He goes, he can go all the way back to Abraham and all the way back to uh, Adam and Eve. He knows where he comes from. And then with the promises of God, he knows the future. God has promised certain things to Israel and he knows about it. He knows that in 70 years, they're supposed to be set free and other future glories. This is the key for you to stand against the devil. You must know your past, where you come from, and you must know where you're going. If you know your past, if you know where you're going, then you know how to handle the current thing in front of you. That's key. But the devil doesn't want you to know your past. He doesn't want you to know God's past. He doesn't want you, you to know your personal past with God. He doesn't want you to know that. And he specifically doesn't want you to know any future promises that God makes to you. None of them. If he can keep you ignorant on both realms, then he knows he can confuse you in knowing what not to do. You don't, you're just confused. You're blind. That's the key in Daniel's idea and way he faces these lines. That's a first principle. Second principle is this. We need to understand and believe in our position in the Messiah to have courage to face lions. Now, here's what Daniel also knew. He knew the past, future to affect the present, but he knew who he was. This is vital in spiritual warfare, okay? What do you mean? 
Well, Daniel knows all that is said about him in scriptures, about what God is doing to Israel. He understands all of this. Really, what it boils down to is, for us, it's the same thing. There are about 75 to 80 different passages that speak about who you are in the Messiah. And the devil hopes you don't know them. That is the key in spiritual warfare. If you don't know some of your positions in the Messiah, then you have given up ground to the devil. And they will take it. The more, the more ignorant you are of your position in Christ, the more they will take. So what does it mean to be a king and a priest in Messiah? Because if you don't know that, as just as an example, the satanic realm will take advantage of you not knowing that. What does it mean to have a new nature? What does it mean to be an overcomer? What does that mean? They hope you don't know that. Because if you do, you're a threat. Because when you know who you are, they can't move you. They are exceedingly afraid of Messiah. They are terrified of Jesus. They are terrified of the Father, and they are terrified of the Holy Spirit. And when you function in what God has said you are by faith, you don't terrify them. That position does because they know they can't move you. They know you won't be afraid. They know you can push through things and won't compromise. You become the most deadly force in the the spiritual realm. Not because of you, because you believe what God says of you. That's why. It's huge, guys. You've got to know your identity. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, this is where this power comes from. It's not like a supernatural power, like a superhero. It's power to not be afraid. It's power to obey. It's power to do the right thing in the face of opposition of lions. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the strategies of the devil. What is the armor of God? Well, I'm not going to go through every piece because what the intention that Paul is, it's an overarching principle. Paul didn't develop the armor of God. Isaiah did. Paul took the idea from Isaiah through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and discussed the armor of God in spiritual warfare. But it was Isaiah originally he talked about it. And what was Isaiah referring to in the spiritual armor? He's referring to the word of God. So every piece of the armor refers to an aspect of the word of God. Notice what he says, that you must put on the whole armor of God. Okay, You can't leave pieces off. So that means when you're Bible reading, you can't just read parts of the Bible and not all of it. You have to read the entire panoply of scripture from pillar to post, Genesis to Revelation, and know it. And when you know all of the pieces, and not just parts, then you're taking up the full armor of God. This is why Christians go into battle and they're ravaged by Satan because they're keeping parts off because they're ignorant of it. Maybe they don't read the Old Testament. Maybe they don't read certain books of the Bible, whatever. Or maybe they go to a church that doesn't teach the whole counsel of God. That's the problem today. So they're uneducated. So that means no matter what, they can't put on a certain piece of armor. So they're going in this fight without pieces of armor. So guess what? Satan's going to aim his fiery darts right there where there's no armor. Bam, got some. He takes them down by that. 
And so this is the idea of how do you withstand the strategies of the devil, the wiles against you? You've got to know the scripture. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You know what he's doing? He's ranking the, and the fallen angel and demonic realm. This is their rankings. So they're organized against you. They're organized against us. They know exactly what they need to do. Therefore, take up the whole armor, take up the whole Bible, the whole scripture, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. The idea is if you take the whole scripture and know the whole scripture, then you are able to stand like Daniel. You can stand with all kinds of lions facing you. That's a key thing. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep, his sleep went from him. This, again, more signs that this guy's a believer. He's worried about Daniel. He's, he's fasting. He can't sleep. This guy cares for Daniel. Again, more clues that he might be a believer. Then the king arose early in the morning and went in haste to the den of the lions. Did you see it? Did you see it? Some of you have seen it. Some of you are nodding. Early in the morning, the women rose to go to the tomb. And they went in haste to the tomb. And they found no body there. You see the, the, the typology? It's a picture of Jesus. But Daniel, obviously, he was preserved in the line, but it's, again, it's pointing to the Messiah. And when he came to the den, he cried out to, with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, he calls God the living God. Pagans don't do that. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? When they found the empty tomb, it was proof that God had delivered him. That was the proof. And Daniel's sitting there as proof that God delivered him. Then Daniel said to the king, oh, king, live forever. Everything's cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm petting these lions like cats. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Look what he said, though. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. What angel? What angel? This is God's angel. In the Old Testament, his angel refers to the second person of the Trinity, the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh, which is the second person of the Trinity. It is a pre-incarnate uh, theophany of Jesus before his incarnation. Now, here's the interesting thing. Anytime you see the angel of the Lord, it's Jesus and it's always, he's always there to deliver, to deliver, to deliver. The angel went before the Israelites in the Exodus. Why? To deliver them. That was the Shekinah glory in the pillar of cloud and the smoke. It was Messiah. He is the rock that led him in the desert. He is the angel of the Lord that led him. He was in the burning bush. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who was in the fire with them? Someone like the son of man. What? To deliver them. And then in Daniel, he's there to deliver Daniel by shutting their mouths. 
Everywhere you see the angel of the Lord, he delivers, he delivers, he delivers, which is the theme of the Messiah. He is your deliverer, right? He's your redeemer. And so he appears like that. But notice what he did. He shut the, the lion's mouths. So they couldn't eat him, right? They couldn't eat him, shut him down, and they can't eat. Let's go into the spiritual realm. Remember, the devil seeks to devour you, devour your influence. But here's the key. If you stand and resist in the Lord by the word of God, the lion's mouths will be shut. Because what are they going to do against you? They can't touch you if God delivers you. They can't. It will shut their mouths. We're going to be delivered one day. And once we're delivered, it shuts their mouths. I'll show you that in just a bit. But when you take your stand, the mouths of lions, they can't speak. They can't even bite you. They can't harm you. So that they have not hurt me. And they won't hurt you either if you trust the Lord. Because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now, this is a key in deliverance as well. So I, I've run down all the different elements of why Daniel is delivered. His, his Jewishness, he's a prophet, all that stuff, okay? He knows where he comes from and where he's going. He knows his position in God. Here's another key for deliverance. He's clean with man as well. He's clean with God, but he's clean with man. Now, what do I mean by that? Daniel obviously is only in violation of one law, and they, it was a setup, right, the law of man. But for the most part, Daniel has never violated any of the laws of the Medes and Persians. He's clean with the laws of man, right? This goes towards why someone gets delivered as well. What do I mean by that? Well, it's one thing if they tell us to do something that violates God's will, God's law, then we're obligated to obey God. But if they're not asking us to violate one of God's law, you're supposed to submit to that government official, okay? Now, again, I'm not going to get into you know the tiers of jurisdiction and all that stuff, the U.S. Constitution, I know that. But I'm just trying to make a point about what Daniel's doing in this point right here. When you become a criminal because you're in violation of the laws of the land. Let's say you're violating the Constitution, but you claim to be a Christian, okay? Like we've had Christians think that taxation is wrong. I agree. It's at an all-time high, and they're stealing. But you know what they tried to do? Not pay taxes, and then they go to jail for it. You're not going to be delivered if you do something stupid like that. And there's plenty of people I've talked to in Bakersfield that are Christian business owners that are cutting things, violating the law, not getting the proper things done correctly. And guess what? They get fined. They get threatened to be put in jail. And, and they say, I don't understand this, Pastor. I'm just trying to serve God. Yeah, but you're in violation of God's law. You're making a huge mistake. That, that law that, that Kern County has is not making you violate one of God's law. What are you, crazy? You're not going to be delivered. You're going to pay the fine. And you're going to go to jail. And so be it. 
but you're not gonna be delivered. So when, what the point that's happening here is when you do that, don't expect deliverance. You've gotta be clean, clean with man and then clean with God. And again, the only time you violate scripture is if man's law caused you to violate God's law. It's a big principle. Do not expect deliverance if you're messing around becoming a criminal. Daniel's obedience to the Lord affects his practical standing not only with God, but with man. This is why we call it justification before man. Okay, James is big on this. He ta- James, in the book of James, will talk about justification. He is not talking about forensic justification in salvation. James is talking about justification before man. That Messiah said, when you're, they see your good deeds, right? It's justification before man that, oh, okay, he's one of those. And that's how they saw Daniel. This gives Daniel assurance that God will bring justice to the situation. If you're doing everything you need to do and you're clean, then you're assured justice will happen at some point in time. Now, the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him. Why? Because he believed in his God. Okay, so this is more than just general belief because you believe in God, don't you? you be- you've trusted Christ for your salvation. Daniel is a saved individual. What specifically is he believing about God? He believes in God, but he, what, is he, what is he believing about? Well, it comes down to another principle. We got the identity, we got the position, we got the, you know, he's a prophet, he's a Jew. We have all those things and he's clean with man for deliverance. But here's the last piece. He believes in a promise that God made to the remnant of Israel in Babylon. And he's clinging to this. This is what gives him strength. He believes what God said. Now, here's the thing. I'm about to read to you a passage that is the most abused passage in Christendom. It is used all over the place. And obviously, after you're going to read the text, you're going to see the context and see that it's been lifted out of its context and misapplied. Verse 10. This is what he believes in. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. What's the context? God is making a promise to the remnant of Israel in Babylon thousands of years ago, for what? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Wait a second, someone's misquoting something. Who is he referring to? The Jews, the remnant of Israel in Babylon, not to Americans. Now the principle of God having a plan for us Gentiles who are believers is found in the New Testament. But please don't try to steal something that's given to the Jews and apply it to us because that's called a form of replacement theology. Look what he says, for I know your thoughts that I think towards you and and says, Lord, you see this on mugs. You see this on banners. Then you, Israel, the remnant of Israel will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. This is Daniel. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. 
You see how it's specifically located to the captivity. Now, let me add one more element to this. It's a, it's a passage promise to Israel about their Babylonian captivity, but it also projects into the future and applies to another group of remnant Jews that go into captivity during the tribulation under the Antichrist. And what you're reading applies to both groups. It applies to the the Babylonian group that was uh, out of the land, and it applies to the remnant Israel as Satan, or sorry, Antichrist drives them out of Israel in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. That's what this passage applies to. So when you see someone using this passage, you say, man, you need to read the context, brother. But does God have a plan for you? Yes. Does he have a plan for deliverance? This, this was a plan of deliverance, right? In Jeremiah 29, that's a plan of deliverance. Does God have a plan of deliverance for you? So yes, he does. But, but it's not Jeremiah 29 to bring you from the captivity. No, no, no. What's your plan of deliverance that you hold on like Daniel's holding on to? What is Jesus going to do for you as far as deliverance? He delivered Daniel from the lions. And how is he going to deliver you from the lions out here? What has he said? John 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, right? 1 Corinthians 15, Revelation 3, 10, Revelation 4, come up here. Your deliverance is not Jeremiah 29. Your deliverance is the rapture of the body of Christ. That's where you hold your hat on. You see, he's still got a plan for you, but you got to know which passages it belongs to. It's not to Israel. This is to you. The rapture is for the body of Christ. And that's right. And that's where God's promise. That's where you hang your hat on. That's where you have faith. That at some point in time, the lions are coming, the lions are coming, the lions are coming. They're going to be ready to eat me. And boom, come up here. Get out. At the last minute, he will deliver us before it gets too hot. That's the promise. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel. Remember the guys who set the trap? You want to watch how God traps them? And they cast them into the den of lions. Oh, how ironic. You wanted Daniel to be cast into the den of lions. You yourselves are now going into the den of lions for what you did to him. It's funny how the roles have reversed, haven't they? And I wonder who did that. It was the deliverer, Jesus. He turned the tables on them. But let me add one more thing. You can see the deliverance. It's an ironic judgment, and there's plenty of judgments like that. Have you noticed that in judgments of evil, he'll do uh, ironic judgment? Like uh, Pharaoh's troops, Pharaoh's men. Pharaoh was drowning Jewish baby boys. Guess who gets drowned in the Red Sea? Evil Haman writes an edict to hang Mordecai on the gallows. And then who ends up on the gallows other than evil Haman? You see how God works? What they try to do to us, God will reverse it and do to them. Oh, it's beautiful. Now, this is not beautiful per se, what's getting ready to happen, judgment. But I want you to see the intricacies in this. This will blow you away. 
They're cast into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. So it's like they're being hung down. There's hungry lions. And as the lions see them, they jump up, grab the, the, the body, and eat the body midair before it even touches the ground. And they break all the bones in the person. Did Daniel's bones get broke? No. Did Messiah's bones get broke? Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that awesome? But their bones get broke. But, but check this out. They, they killed the children in there. The, the family of these people that did this to Daniel, their families were thrown in as well. Are you ready for this? This will knock your socks off. What did I tell you they tried to use against Daniel? The law of the Medes and Persians. Remember, king, you can't change. You put it down. And because you put it down, it can't change. We can't reverse anything. So Daniel must be thrown in the lion's den. Aha, you fool. I'm going to switch the tables and use the law against you, was what Messiah is saying. Your own law, the law of the Medes and Persians, and according to the laws of the Medes and Persians in which you people operate, traitors also have their families killed with them. And according to your law, since you're a traitor, your kids and your wife will also be thrown into the den of lions as well. Oh, justice. That's good. I don't care what you say. That's good. You mean that's how God judges? It's that precise. It's that precise in the way he judges. He doesn't judge indiscriminately without discretion. It's that precise. I will use what you use against my people, against you, your own stuff. And you will be destroyed. The wheels of God's justice, folks, turn slow. But they grind exceedingly fine. You and I sometimes get upset with what's going on. How do these people get away with it, Lord? Aren't you going to do something? Aren't you going to do something? Strike them down with a bolt of lightning. Open the earth and let them be sucked in like Korah's rebellion. Get rid of them, Lord. Why don't these people die? They live forever. Do you notice that? They live. They keep living. They keep living. I think they are injecting with them with something. How do these people so old and are so wicked keep living? Uh, he's saving up wrath for them. That's why he's not letting them die. He's not permitting them to die. He's saving up wrath. He doesn't want them to get easy away by slipping into death. No, no. He wants them to experience the wrath and the tribulation. That's why he's keeping them alive. Do not think they're getting away with anything. He's saying, no, I'm saving them up. I'm saving them up. Because all the things, Brandon, you, you and your, the body of Christ has studied, I'm, I'm going to bring it on them. Unless they repent, I will bring it on them. Ooh, do you have enough faith to wait on the Lord in his justice? That's hard. I have a hard time with that, man. I get impatient. But he's asking, are you going to be like Daniel, Brandon? The way you can stand and resist is, can you wait for my justice? Like Daniel did. Like Messiah did, right? Messiah waited for the justice of God. And the justice of God came and... 
He was resurrected. And then what happened? You know where the justice of God came with those who turned Jesus in, the religious leaders? 70 AD. But he gave them 40 years to repent. And then 70 AD came and destroyed the temple, destroyed a million point two Jews, religious leaders. And he told them that would happen. And it did, right? Can you wait on that? What, what if you, you're in AD 30, you saw what happened to Jesus and you're there as, as one of the disciples or whatever, and you had to wait 40 years in order for that judgment to come. That's what you had to see. You had to experience that longevity of God waiting for Israel to repent. And in 40 years, they didn't, and boom, he slammed them. 70 AD, it's too late. That's what's getting happened in this world. You have to trust that. You have to trust in God for that. Look what he says. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples and nations and language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion in my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. He controlled everything at the time. Parts of Europe, parts of Asia, parts of Africa and the Middle East. He controlled all this vast region and the word went out about God's deliverance of Daniel, God's deliverance of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Every part of the kingdom heard this. To To this very day, most people, I would say, most people have heard about Daniel in the lion's den. They've heard about David and Goliath. In fact, they may not know the stories, but they use the euphemisms, don't they? Boy, this NFL team is going to play. It's going to be a David and Goliath match, right? Oh, man, I'm going, this is like going into the lion's den, like Daniel. They, they use those terminologies, and they don't even realize it. But it comes back to this, that all the world would know this. For he is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. He understood Daniel's prophecies, by the way, of Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. How did he know that? Daniel explained it to him. That's why I think this guy's a believer. And his dominion shall endure to the end. That's exactly what Daniel predicted. He knows this. Cyrus, I believe, is saved. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Verse 28, key verse. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Why is that significant? Because it gives us some hope here. This is how you stand. Think about this. Daniel went from one regime to the next. He went from Babylon that got destroyed and he was at the, he was the top dog in Babylon, by the way. And then Medo-Persia takes over and Daniel just slides over. And Daniel is top dog in Medo-Persia. How did that happen? It's God. When you're faithful and you're obedient and you trust in the Lord, you and I can go from one regime to the next and still prosper. Not prosperity like preaching, but still function. Why is that so hopeful for us? Because we're watching the destruction of America. And here's what you're going to experience in your lifetime. You're going to go from what you had to a new regime called the New World Order, a global system, and a digital currency. Welcome to Medo-Persia. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Sunday Sermons. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has recently started a second podcast called The Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. 
If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for the Anchor Bible Study. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.